Good morning. It's Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV FM and AM. I'm Lee Cattell, and I've got the show for the next two hours with you. Hope you are tuned in for a while, and you're invited to not only listen, but participate in our conversations. We've got a great show coming up for you today, including we're going to get right into it with Sue Minter, the Executive Director of Capstone Community Action, and Christy Swenson, the Director of Capstone's Head Start Program. They'll be along in just a moment. Also on the way, Brianna Summer-Fenton will discuss uh, some FEMA issues. She's a media relations specialist with the Federal Emergency Management Agency, and we'll talk about how uh, they're proceeding with our flood recovery here in the state of Vermont. Also a a bit on uh, dealing with mental health after the floods, and uh, more on a couple of folks that have started a podcast called Small Towns Healthy Places, which looks at health equity, and community design. All part of our show today here on Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. So let's get underway. Let's welcome in Sue Minter, the Executive Director of Capstone Community Action. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Lee. Thanks for having us on Live and Local. Yeah, we're glad to be here today. And uh, let's get started, first of all, with an update on the Fuel Your Neighbors program. Capstone has been putting behind uh, another huge effort, which combines uh, generating uh, money and donations and to help make sure that uh, Vermonters stay warm in the winter months. Uh, The Fuel Your Neighbors program had a lofty goal, and how's it coming? Well, Lee, thank you so much. Uh, you know, the last time I saw you was at the Wheels for Warmth uh, tire sale, and that also contributes to helping our neighbors stay warm. The Fuel Your Neighbors campaign, which we launched here on WDEV on Giving Tuesday, uh, has gotten off to a really good start. Um, if you go to fuelyourneighbors.org, you can contribute anytime to both helping make sure people don't go to to bed cold or hungry. This also supports our food shelf in central Vermont, and we serve in Capstone both Washington, Lamoille, and Orange counties. So far, um, on our digital platform, we've gotten over $25,000, which is an incredible start. I do want folks to know that, in addition, we get a lot through the mail, and we are closing in on almost a third of the way through our fundraiser, so we're about 100000 but we do have a really tall goal of 325000 and that's because this is an extraordinary year. Uh, in pa- the past few years, we've had extra help from the federal government with the COVID pandemic funding, which has all gone away, so the state does not have as much money to help uh, our crisis fuel system that is federally funded, and that's where you come in. People who may be just over the eligibility limit but still don't have enough money to keep their house warm at night. And, of course, uh, our food shelf, actually, we have double the participation now every week or every month at our food shelf in Barrie, where we also deliver meals to folks all around the region. So thanks for asking. We're a third of the way there. We feel confident, but we have a long way to go, and we're counting on all of our neighbors and all of you listening at WDEV. Thanks for supporting your neighbors in need at FuelYourNeighbors.com. And do we have an ongoing a matching contribution being uh, brought on by one of your partners for folks that make well, a contribution? Well, the beginning, Lee. 
We're trying to get some more partners to help with that, but at the moment, you're not, our match is over. We've spent that down, um, and we are going just ma- uh, p- donation by donation. Well, that's all right, Sue. I know how hard you worked, uh, certainly last year, on the Fuel Your Neighbors effort. And uh, so plenty of uh, more work to be done, but folks can go to FuelYourNeighbors.com and make your contribution today. Now, uh, the the Head Start program, let's welcome in Christy Swenson, uh, Capstone's uh, director of the Head Start program, for to talk about early childhood education now, uh, Christy, this uh, this program covers which territories? So our Capstone Head Start program covers Lamoille, Washington, and Orange counties. Um, within that within that um, area, we have uh, centers. There's a center in Morrisville, a center in Barrie, and then we partner with. Um, elementary schools and have classrooms in elementary schools in um, Williamstown, Orange, Washington, Northfield, New and Chelsea, um, and in Waits River, which is East Corinth. We also um, partner with private child care providers to provide them with um, assistance for uh, staff development so they can increase the quality that they're providing to children in their practice. And then we provide all of the wraparound supports for the family. And the last thing that we do is home visiting. And home visiting is um, something where it's a weekly home visit, which can be uh, at a library or a coffee shop if that's the family's preference. But in those um, home visits, we help parents to understand how they can support their child to learn and grow. And we also provide um, wraparound service to help the family with anything that they have um, targeted that they want to achieve, um, which can range from wanting to go back to college. And we help them figure out how to do that. Or it could be that they're trying to, um, they're currently homeless and they wish to find a place to live so it's it's quite a range for children that are participating in this program how early does early education go well we serve from prenatal all the way until a child goes to kindergarten so you're offering education services before a child is born absolutely and that is of course more of education for the parent so they know how to um you know, support a healthy pregnancy and how to prepare for bringing the child home. That's what it looks like at that age range, yeah. Okay. And then uh, at what age are kids participating in an in-house program at Head Start? So that varies by location. So in Barrie, we serve children six weeks until they go to kindergarten. And in our other sites, we serve children's children starting at three years old until they go to kindergarten. And uh, these programs are specially designed to support at-risk families. Uh, First, tell us what an at-risk family is, and then tell us a little bit about why the program is directed toward that particular group of people. Sure. So um, we think of it as um, children who are at risk of not being um, ready for kindergarten. And so... 
that um, includes folks, uh, children that are in foster care, children who are experiencing homelessness, which can be homeless with a roof. You know, if folks are couch surfing or if they're staying with family or friends while they try to find housing, that qualifies for us. Um, it also includes if anyone in the household is receiving um, Social Security disability income. And then we have uh, also income eligibility. Folks can be um, eligible because of low income. Does the Head Start program include any sort of uh, meals or nutrition as part of it? Absolutely. So um, for our, um, in our center-based, we provide breakfast, a morning snack, lunch, and in some cases an afternoon snack, depending upon how, how long the day is at that site. Um, all of which is um, based Everything that we provide for food is based on the health and nutrition guidance um, from the Child and Adult Care Food Program so that we're providing healthy, um, good quality meals and snacks. We're talking with Sue Minter, the Executive Director of Capstone Community Action, and Christy Swanson, the Director of the Head Start Program with Capstone. Sue, as uh, we went into the break, Christy was talking about some of the uh, the, the prenatal sessions, which I found fascinating because uh, you're actually talking with parents about, I, I would assume, proper parenting methods or techniques. What is it that our, our parents of this age aren't learning that they need to know in regards to rearing children? Well, Lee, it's so important to recognize how critically important both prenatal care but also parenting and child care and early education is, you know, the the brain, the most important years of brain development are the first five years. And that's why, as an anti-poverty organization, we're focused on thinking about that next generation. And <clears throat> one of the amazing programs that we provide is called the Brook Street High School, where we support pregnant and parenting te- young uh, adults, young women, who have carried their babies to term but dropped out of high school. And we know how critically important a high school diploma and a post-secondary degree is. And as part of our Head Start Center in Barrie, uh, we have a school. Um, It's sort of a one-room schoolhouse. And some of the students are still uh, at the end of their pregnancy, and others have their child enrolled in the child care center on the first two floors, and the school is on the third floor. And we have a teacher, I will just call her a unicorn, because she's certified in all four disciplines. And through all of the time that it takes, uh, these young women achieve not the CED, the GED, but a high school diploma. Many of them choose to walk in the graduation ceremony and become a part of that community of of their neighbors, of their community that graduates. But they graduate not just uh, from high school, but as a parent, a parent who's received quality education around parenting skills. There is a lot of information about prenatal health for the mother, for the child. Um, But the challenge of uh, most of these women are single moms. Many of them have been um, subjected to um, uh, sexual violence or abuse 
um, and have a lot to learn about being a positive, caring, loving, strong, confident, and competent parent. And we are just super proud of the moms who graduate from their high school. Many of them go on to uh, uh, Vermont Tech uh, and beyond and become stable homeowners, um, workers, employees, and parents. So uh, it's an incredible program, the Brook Street High School, which is part of our very comprehensive uh, early education program, Head Start. As you hear, uh, it's also really implementing uh, one of the big uh, bills that passed in the last session, Act 76, the big child care bill, was really about providing more affordable, high-quality child care. And that's what Head Start does. We get support from the federal government for this program, but we also do rely somewhat on philanthropy for special programs. And it's not just education. It's actually health care. Um, we make sure all of our kiddos uh, get to a primary care physician. We make sure and we help them to get to a dental appointment. You know, a lot of families have and kids have fears about the dentist, and we have a wonderful tooth tutor who comes and makes it an enjoyable and um, reduces fear and barriers to health care. But what I think is also critically important is we provide mental health supports to especially our young women in our Brook Street High School, but to all of the families we serve. And the program is comprehensive. It's really trying to meet people where they are at. Some people don't want their kids to go into daycare. They may not have transportation uh, available to take their kids to daycare every day, so we go to them with the home care visiting. And we really want to mention that we have openings. We have openings for home visiting. We have openings in our preschool in Morrisville. So if you need child care, if your grandchild needs child care, if your neighbors need child care, and maybe they can't afford it on their own, you may be eligible for our programming. And we encourage you to call us at 802-479-1053. 479-1053. That's the number to uh, reach out to Capstone and find out more information about their Head Start program. Christy, I, I suspect that a lot of parents who enroll their kid in Head Start like a, a couple of different advantages of it. Number one, it probably allows them a little bit of time away, and as a single parent, I'm sure they very much appreciate somebody else that they trust taking care of their little one for a little while. And uh, the other aspect of it is to, as a single parent, you're the only one, often an adult, that a child will get input from. So uh, providing some other responsible adults to be in the environment of the child will give them some additional adult support. Absolutely. And I, I think one thing I should mention, just to piggyback off of what Sue said, is that our program really is more than just childhood education. Um, things are evolving in most education settings to look at the whole child in order to get a better outcome. We look at the whole family. So um, we're providing that early childhood education, but we're also providing parenting instruction. We're providing um, instruction for things that parents request that can include fiscal training, um, boy, almost anything that they come up with. And then we have the health, wellness, and nutrition services that we provide, um, including um, 
nursing, dietitians, dental hygienists, and of course, mental health professionals. Um, which the mental health professionals are available to anyone in the household, not just the enrolled child. So it's, it's quite comprehensive. Do you find that this early educational program is providing parents and children with some extra stability in their lives? Absolutely. In, in fact, that is one of our goals is to stabilize the family because a well-functioning family is is the best setting for a child to be in. So that's a big part of our work, and and I believe um, what results in some of our long-term outcomes, which are um, higher graduation rates, higher um, post-secondary ed graduation rates, and lower uh, instances of incarceration. Sue, you ever find any parents who are getting involved in the early childhood program wind up having the skills to become a contributor to a capstone? Absolutely. In fact, um, you know, one of the first stories I heard about when I became the director was a woman who shared with our board of directors her story arriving uh, pregnant um, and homeless uh, in our Capstone waiting area. She had somehow heard about Capstone. Um, the amazing part of her story was not only did she did our housing counselors find her a home, our financial literacy and financial coaches worked with this young woman for a long time, um, got her to understand budgeting, helped her uh, get out of debt and establish credit, helped her uh, figure out how to take on uh, a loan to get a car. So this young woman, um, her st- children went to Head Start. She became em- a great employee at Head Start and eventually uh, really on her own, and yes, a contributing taxpayer to our our community. And, and that's the point. I will say so many of the folks who come to us in crisis, you know, whether it's needing heat or food like our Fuel Your Neighbors, Capstone is about really thinking holistically about their needs. Many of them have never learned about budgeting. Uh, Many of them need skills around early education and even in how to uh, cook and prepare uh, healthy meals and save money. Many of them don't have transportation. We have a transportation program that helps people uh, purchase used cars that are highly efficient. Um, We help with um, getting people businesses. We help people start their own business, a micro-business development program. Um, And we help with workforce development. So just to give a sense that Capstone does a lot of things, and honestly, building stronger families, helping to break the generational cycle of poverty, that's what our Head Start program is about. And I hear the transformational effect of it has for people who come to us in crisis. Um, Their families uh, may have been incarcerated. Uh, That's another element. But, you know, 30% of the kids we serve right now are homeless. So we are often the most stable and consistent caregiving and home that they have in their week. So I just want to say um, this is a terrific and a very foundationally and important program and that we have openings, and um, we want to make sure people who may need our services know about them. So we really thank you for letting us sound our trumpet Mm. of success in this program. 
Christy, is uh, the main focus of the early education program, are elements like writing, mathematics, and spelling part of this program? They are, as well as um, some more uh, basic skills as well, that we work with children on um, the ability to get along with peers, the ability um, to follow directions, the ability to manage their own emotions. Um, I think most kindergarten teachers will tell you those are the most important things that children need coming in, but then we do also focus on those more traditionally academic topics like math. So you are working with more foundational people skills sometimes before you get into anything academic. Um, Hopefully in tandem, but to be honest, sometimes when children come with us, uh, come to us, they um, they may have some challenges to attend because of their inability to manage their emotions or their inability to get along with other kids gets in the way of them mm-hmm. being able to pay attention to educational instruction. Christy, I appreciate the I appreciate the time. The clock is getting us right now, but thanks for the uh, thanks for the qu- answer to the question. To find more about the Early Childhood Education Program Head Start, Sue Minter, Christy Swenson, thanks for giving us some time today on Vermont Viewpoint. Thank you, Lee. Vermont Viewpoint, WDEB FM and AM. Lee Cattell in the chair today until 11 o'clock. And joining me in studio right now is Sean Lawson from Lawson's Finest Liquids, an outfit called Brewbound, named Lawson's Finest Liquids, the 2023 Craft Brewer of the Year. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me this morning, Lee. Congratulations. Who's Brewbound? <laughs> well, I would describe Brewbound as a leading uh, beer industry media source. They uh, they host a very active website, a series of conferences and industry talks that they do that they broadcast online uh, live. So Brewbound Live, they do a couple times a year, and they're very well respected in the beer industry. So when you talk about the beer industry, are we talking about the whole whole beer industry or are we talking about more like the the little time beer industry we're talking about the whole beer industry and even beyond beer as well so i just attended their annual Brewbound live out in california where we received the award huge honor uh really appreciate getting the nod this year and uh there were folks there from uh Spirits, mixed uh, cocktails that are packaged, uh, beyond beer products, non-alcoholic, uh, so you you name it. It's uh, like Alkbev industry, cutting edge. Stuff. It's amazing how the the landscape of beer has changed. Forty years ago in Vermont, seventy percent of the beer sold in the state had a red, white, and blue can. Everybody drank Budweiser. Nowadays, that number has fallen significantly, and a lot more people are getting involved in what our uh, local folks have been able to do. And it's amazing that uh, they've been able to make a, such a big dent in an industry that was so entrenched for such a long time. It's truly, it's uh, more than half of the beer, uh, the majority of beer sold in Vermont is brewed here in Vermont, which is uh, pretty exciting for us. Even just in the time that I've been in business here, 2008, 15 years ago, there 
only 18 breweries in Vermont when I started. Today, there are over 70 breweries uh, located in Vermont. Okay, so that has led to some expansion. And I, when I think about Vermont craft breweries, I mean, there are basically three that run to the top of the list. Lawson's, Hill Farmstead, and uh, The Alchemist. I, in my mind, those are the big three. You probably know of a couple others, but do you look at those guys as... Competition, colleagues, neither or both? Both. Uh, we're, we have a lot of friends in the Vermont beer industry, and it has become more competitive over the years. Uh, but the, through the Vermont Brewers Association, which is our trade guild here in the state, I would say the emphasis is more on camaraderie uh, than competition. Uh, and there's some other breweries up and coming that are doing really well here in Vermont and distribute their beer uh, throughout the Northeast. So it's a, I would say it's a thriving uh, industry, although right now it's not an easy time to be a brewer, whether it's a big brewer or small brewer. Beer has been contracting for a few years as a as a as a slice of the pie of alcoholic beverages. And I, I noticed that a biggie like uh, Anheuser-Busch, or I, I think Unilever's their overarching conglomerate right now, but they must be looking at the, uh, at the landscape and realizing that their market share is being carved into. So they have reached out and tried to bring in some craft beers to put them under their umbrella. Has any beer behemoth ever come and dangled a big fat check in front of you before? Not yet, Lee. No. Still waiting. Are you and waiting? I'll tell them the same thing that I tell everyone, uh, including through this uh, big year that we're having with a new CEO on board that we hired uh, just in September. Uh, she started full-time, Adeline Drewart. But if somebody came to me with a big check, I would tell them we built this company to thrive and not to sell. So as long as Karen and I are around, uh, we'd like to be stewards uh, and continue to have our company uh, leave a legacy, make a meaningful impact here and beyond, here in Vermont and beyond uh, as well. This year, again, I say it's a big year. We've got certified as a B Corp, a multi-year journey to do that. And what that means for people who haven't heard of B Corp, it's a, a validation and a certification process uh, that verifies that the mission of your company is to do good for people and the planet. So they look at everything from how much you pay your employees, uh, the benefits program, whether you have uh, uh, renewable energy, uh, what kind of impact you have on your local community, on, on the planet through your business practices. Now, when BrewPub decided you were the brewer of the year, are they factoring in all of that or are they saying this brewery makes the best beer? It's a great question, Lee. I don't know the answer exactly. Uh, the type of brewery they award it to varies uh, from year to year. Some years it's really focused on growth, like how much sales have grown year over year for some breweries. Um, for us, we feel like it's uh, leading with our values, uh, the evolution of our company over the past five years, going from mom and pop with uh, just five employees, including Karen myself, uh, in 2018. When we started that year, we built and opened a new brewery uh, and the tap room down in Waitsfield, Vermont, in 2018. And then since then, we went from uh, five to 50 employees that year, and now we're over 85 employees. Uh, as I said, we became certified B Corp. We're planning for succession with a new CEO. And through our social impact program, Lee, uh, this year we hit the $2 million mark since uh, 2018 in giving back to Vermont nonprofits. $2 million uh, given by Lawson's Finest Liquids, the 2023 Brewbound Craft Beer Maker of the Year. Uh, Brewbound uh, putting forth uh, the big announcement 
announcement here over the uh, recent time, and this can be a tough act to follow, but if you win this again, you probably will get an offer from Anheuser InBev before too much longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see about that, Lee. Interestingly enough, you mentioned that they had acquired a number of uh, craft breweries in the last 10 years, and recently they've uh, they've divested themselves of, of most of those. That that play didn't didn't exactly it, work out the it, way they envisioned. People didn't buy it. They exactly. they didn't buy it. Yep. They said big company trying to pretend they're small, and yep. and people saw through it. Yeah, exactly. And probably people noticed a difference in quality when when somebody takes over and it's a big and they're looking to pinch pennies or make cuts. Sometimes your product can suffer badly when it comes to those quality decisions. Mm-hmm. You move a product from one facility to another, and it doesn't necessarily translate. Um, you're, you have a new CEO, Adelaine, and uh, you were the CEO, right? That's right. So, so when, when I got interviewed, they said, why are you stepping down? I said, I'm not stepping down. I'm stepping up into the role of owner and uh, founder. So for me, that means working a little bit less and getting back to focusing on the passion points that I have in the business. That's uh, why we started 15 years ago, which is I love tinkering with the beer recipes. I love connecting and talking with people, so I'll have more time to focus on my role as a brand ambassador uh, and then continue to be a steward uh, and nurture the, the vision of the company for the future. Did you uh, ever look at it as my goal is to make enough money at this thing so I can have somebody else count the beans and lead the people and I can just focus on the beer? When I started out, I had really no idea, honestly, Lee, where this journey would take us. In the beginning, I thought would be successful, but at a much smaller scale. Like People would have to come to Vermont to buy our beer. Now it's distributed pretty widely all over the Northeast. You can find a sip of sunshine uh, at most any store. Uh, throughout New England, New York, New Jersey, PA, uh, and along the way, we just stuck to our values of making the finest and the freshest beer. Uh, we have a 60-day uh, freshness guarantee to our customers on all of our IPAs and our hop-forward beers, so we want people to have them within 60 days of packaging, um, and that's helped us to stand out in a crowded marketplace. But I think the last couple of years when the pandemic hit, it brought it into focus that there were, I was spending so much of my time doing meetings and running the business that I didn't have the time to do those things that I really loved when I started the business. So that's when it came into focus for me that I was ready uh, to hire a leader that would have the business experience as a CEO or as a business leader uh, to take on uh, the leadership team, the senior management, and really excel at doing that, which is maybe not necessarily my core competency. But Adelaine's got the background that uh, this is right in her wheelhouse. Yeah, Adelaine Drewart was the uh, president of Vermont Creamery for many years. She worked there for 19 years, started as an intern. Uh, She immigrated from France, uh, learned English, worked with the company founders there to help uh, a similar mom-and-pop cheese business to grow tremendously uh, over her tenure and was promoted to president. And about seven years ago, uh, the owners were ready to move on and sell the company. And uh, she helped facilitate that transaction to Lando Lakes. And in that time, uh, doubled the company's revenue and sales again. And today, uh, Vermont Creamery is proudly the number one goat cheese brand in all of the U.S. It's pretty amazing. You can find it in grocery stores like Whole Foods uh, from the East Coast to the West Coast. And uh, Adelaine took over when? Uh, 
she started full time in September. So we made the announcement uh, that she was coming on as CEO in June, uh, and she had a transition period over the summer working part time with us to learn the business, and then uh, assume this role of CEO full time on the first week of September. 802-244-1777, toll-free 877-291-8255. To join our conversation with Sean Lawson of Lawson's Finest Liquids, Forbes from Corinth. Good morning. You're on WDEV. Good morning. How are you? I'm great doing subject, great, Forbes. Uh, Thanks. Especially for Vermont. Uh, my son is a brewmaster um, and has a brewery over in uh, Barrington, New Hampshire, and uh, he cut his teeth uh, with Long Trail, the original Long Trail. And his story of his beginning is very similar to the fellow who started Long Trail originally. So that's good to hear. Um, my, I have a question. Any movement towards uh, organic? I noticed the uh, last time I talked to you on this uh, trap, he had, uh, that had been kind of his pet thing that he wanted to try to try to put together. Anything on that? Organic ingredients to go into your beer. How about that, Sean? That's a great question. Uh, we haven't uh, looked seriously at converting to organic. The uh, There's a pretty limited uh, set of ingredients you can get that are certified organic for uh, brewing beer. Uh, that would be malted barley and the hops primarily, uh, wheat and rye a little bit. Uh, and because of the the added expense uh, of going fully organic and not really seeing a very strong demand in the marketplace, we've seen a number of organic beers come and go from the market. Uh, that so it's been tried not, before. It's but been tried. You remember Wooliver's uh, okay. Organics yep. was here in Vermont, uh, a brand that uh, Otter Creek Brewing uh, produced, and that, that one's no longer around. Uh, but hats off to your... Uh, to your son and uh, lots of fond memories of Long Trail when they started out in 1988. That's uh, right. They, were, that was my first craft beer love. Was, those was those Long were Trail. the first ones. Yeah, I remember yeah. uh, it was uh, Catamount and Long Trail were the first ones that were beside the, the Millers and the Budweiser's Absolutely. on that atop the row in the bar. I remember I Absolutely. sat at that bar a few times, so I saw those beer bottles lined up yeah. at the top, and all of a sudden you'd see Catamount and Long yeah. Trail at Catamount's the end say, what's that favorite. all about? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they broke the seal, and since then, uh, the, the craft beer thing has just been booming in the state. So I know a lot of fans in Lawson's were probably quite happy to hear you're going to put more effort toward new product. As we head into the new year, what you're looking at? Well, we're really focused on promoting our core lineup of Sip of Sunshine, uh, Little Sip IPA, and our newest beer, Hazy Rays, that we just launched, a lower ABV, uh, Hazy IPA that comes in at 5%. Those three beers we're really going to be promoting. Okay, now let me just slow yeah. that down a little bit. Yeah. So Hazy Rays is 5%. Yeah. Sip of Sunshine is about what? 8%. Okay, so that's that's pretty it's heavy. Yeah. So uh, two of those big cans is... Well, it'll send me on a funny mission, but I don't know about you. You're a bigger guy. Good, good to be home for the evening if you're going to have <laughs> that, to. That's yeah. right. Get safely at home. And, uh, okay, how about, uh, uh, what was it? Redbridge was a gluten-free beer. Are, mm -hmm. Is anybody looking into that as a possibility? Because a lot of people take a look at gluten and say, I don't, I don't want it in my body. Yeah, that is an area that we're looking at. It's in the uh, innovation pipeline uh, for us as one of the products that we'd like to test. 
but nothing in the works right now. Um, for next year, innovation is going to include uh, several of our beers that have fruit added that it, it's been become really popular. Juice Stand will be back. That's another lower ABV beer. Uh, that's an IPA made with uh, blood orange, uh, juice and puree, zest, uh, our, our lemon supernova or did I say that right? Lemon supernova. Super, super lemonova. <laughs> okay. It's a tongue twister, but it's super tasty. That one ha- is another lighter beer that'll be out in the late spring. Uh, we're bringing back our hops a lot. Each of these beers will go out to all nine states, so not available just here in Vermont. And then we're going to be uh, developing a brand new beer that we haven't announced yet that we'll be launching in the fall. Okay. Nine states now. Any plans to expand your reach? Nothing uh, that we're ready to announce yet, but uh, we're certainly looking at the landscape. It's been five years since we added any new territory, uh, but we're really going to remain focused on the Northeast. This is our home region, and it's uh, it's really close and comfortable, and we could get all of our beer within a day's drive uh, to where it needs to be, and that's part of the freshness commitment that we ah, have to our fans. I get it. I keep thinking like a, a Vermont-themed craft beer place in New York City or something like that, where people would be like, oh, Vermont, they make the best beer. Yeah, we haven't followed that model. A lot of craft, not, not a lot, but some of very notable craft breweries have uh, followed the model of opening up as many outposts as as, uh, as possible all over the place in metro places and, and beyond. Uh, but that hasn't been our business model. We have one destination in Waitsfield, Vermont, that we're really focused on, and the rest of the beer will we'll get out to the customers as fresh as uh, possible. We go from Waitsfield to Randolph. Andrea, good morning. You're on Vermont Viewpoint. Hi, good morning. I had a great beer this year, and it was a rice-based beer, like a sake would be for wine, but it was a beer, and I had it locally. I think a Tunbridge brewery was making it, and it was amazing. Um, I don't know if that's a suggestion, but I don't know how you feel about that in brewing style, but that's my question. Would you try one of those? Thanks, Andrea. How about it? Yeah, absolutely, Andrea. I, um, I'm i not familiar with the beer that you mentioned, uh, but I did have a really delicious uh, rice lager up at Foam Brewery up in uh, Burlington, Vermont, over the summer when it was hot, and I found it to be just spectacularly refreshing. So definitely interested in, in tinkering around with that type of uh, Japanese lager as one style. I think that's what they were calling it at Foam. I'm closing in on uh, 25 years since the last time I had an adult beverage, but I like a non-alcoholic beer. It's hard to find a good one. Sure have, you, have you have uh, you tried any uh, non-alcoholic options? We, we have been doing R&D on non-alcoholic beer for the last couple of years. Uh, it's a really rapidly growing segment of the market, uh, growing very fast. But Why is it so hard to make a good one? <laughs> well... The alcohol in the beer helps to uh, preserve the product, so it, it it has a different shelf life. And without the process of producing alcohol, if you produce a beer and then take out the alcohol, you also strip away flavor that was there. And then if you produce a beer by uh, arrested fermentation where it doesn't produce any alcohol, you're also missing some of the flavor. So it's it's not easy, but the technology and the techniques have really come a long ways. And you've come close to getting something that you would put out on a our, shelf. Our R&D over the last couple of years, this past year, we came up with an IPA uh, modeled on our little sip that was just 
spectacular. I think it's the best non-alcoholic beer I've ever tasted. Uh, but we didn't get the process to the point where it held up while it, it, uh, it oxidized quickly once we packaged it. It didn't, it never went out to market. This was just R&D testing, but we're going to keep tinkering and see where we get. At the very least, we'd like to offer one of our own non-alcoholic products at the tap room and for our employees. Uh, but currently we offer a number of non-alcoholic, for, uh, options at our tap room in addition to non-alcoholic beer. So. And uh, that location right down there in Waitsfield open seven days a week? Yeah, we're open seven days a week. Uh, open up at 11 on the weekends, 12 during the week, uh, seven most of the week, eight o'clock on uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is our closing time. We have live music every Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be hopping, uh, I'm sure, with the snow this weekend, weekend winters. Are is there a big party us. lined up in, in your honor for celebrating this big award? Well, we had our annual uh, employee uh, holiday celebration. Uh, at the beginning of last week, uh, and we announced the news to our employees just before the news went public. So that was pretty exciting for us, and uh, the staff were really thrilled. And we rolled out a new benefit for five-year employees to give everyone uh, a paid sabbatical a month off with a stipend uh, for traveling. So we're, we're pretty excited, and we're thrilled with the team we have. We wouldn't have gotten to where we are without an amazing team of people behind us. Congratulations, Sean. Thanks for the time today. Thank you, Lee. This is Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV, World and National News, coming up at the top of the hour, and we're back after that.